The Athletic. Toby Football Show, European edition. This week, Champions League match day two. There's Parisians on Tyneside, Real Madrid in Naples, Man City in Leipzig. We preview the action in store and hear about a derby for the Basque, one for the Monegasque, and mascots at dawn, and much, much more in this Toby Football Show. Monday, the 2nd of October. Listen, thank you for joining us. We've got your James Horncastle in here. Hello. Alvaro Romeo's all up in this biatch. Hola, hola. <laughs> Onyx time. All right, James. Good and tired. Fresh back from... Steady on, James. Yeah. <laughs> Fresh back from the October Fest. Yeah. Ein Prose der Gemütlichkeit. Exactly. What did you say, right? Just for compliance. Um, I, I repeated the um, the little song that they play every time people are asked to lift their... Uh, it's like a little toast. Okay. Oh. So lift their... Um, and how's it go? Ein Prosit. Oh, the song. Ein Prosit. Ein Prosit der Gemütlichkeit. Cheers, right? And then it goes a few more. The only German restaurant in Bilbao is called Ein Prosit. There you go. Yeah. So, which is a, a toast. A toast, yeah. To? To Gemütlichkeit. Gemütlichkeit is hard to translate. It's the German version of Hige. So, hmm? it's co- Hige. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Coziness, the com- yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is in itself hard to translate. Yeah. Except we just kind of do it. Right? <laughs> hey, it's, it's a feeling. always attractive. Junior Oh, bonjour. Bonjour, ah, bonjour. How are you doing, Jules? Very good, and you? Ooh, la, la. Great. Uh, we got the, hey, we've got a gold show coming up uh, Tuesday. Yes. Doing today's show early to get ready for that. A lot of people were getting in touch a fortnight ago saying, how do we watch the Gold Show? Where's it gone to? James. (laughs) (laughs) If I knew, I'd tell you. Uh, Go on, try. (laughs) Well, it's on the Discovery Plus app. Yeah, which is great. Is it? Yeah, Yeah, it works really well. So that's discoveryplus.com or something. You can find it on a laptop or on any modern TV. Surface, as they call them. If you're, mm, there you go. Surface, or you can go on TNT's yeah red button the sky and Virgin and uh, okay. yeah all, all the, the other carriers. Letters. That's right. Yeah, but it's behind a red button because they want to drive people. Yeah, that's right. You listener, mm, you to the app exactly. Yeah, that's where I watch it because the picture quality is much better. It's really straightforward. That's uh, why people could find us last yeah, week, yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. So do it now, though, because oh yeah, so it's somebody, ready for Tuesday night. Some, yeah. Don Hutchison had a problem, didn't he? Yeah. Somehow his internet was maybe so slow that it took him twenty-four hours to actually, you know, be ready for it. All right. But isn't Don. there also some kind of red button option? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Player three has joined the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> You see, you know, <laughs> we talked you know about the app. Saying. You only talked about the app. No. Oh. <laughs> Just... All right. Okay. Let's My get... of the weekend usually is. Say, usually it's me saying something you've already said. Let's yeah. get some moments of the weekend. <laughs> How many sure. toasts did he make? <laughs> uh, There's only one half liters of beer last night. Okay. Oh. My moment of the weekend was to see Rino Gattuso on ah. the Liga ah. bench, of course, mm. with Marseille. Not that he really went the way he wanted. As Gab Marcotti told me the other day, now 15%, one five of the Liga coaches are Italians. Oh. Mm. 
Yeah. So, or even the ones that aren't in the past at uh, Olympic Marseille, like Igor Tudor. Yeah, they yeah. almost are Italians, yeah. exactly. Mm. So yeah, big Italian influence. Although none of them won this weekend. So right. Farioli, Grosso and Gattuso. Right, yeah. Uh, none of them were winners, but it doesn't matter. I'm sure the wins will come. How did Gabriele take that statistic you fired back at him? It's so he... You freak! <laughs> Whoa. Oh, look! Oh, look! Oh, look! There's always next week. Yeah. There is always yeah. next week. Alvaro, what was your moment of the weekend? Uh, this guy doesn't play football. Mm. This guy is just a football fan. Uh, his name is Jonah Zanza, and he's from Bilbao. And I don't know if you have seen the images on television, but uh, Athletic Club Bilbao lost the derby against Real Sociedad. Real oh, Sociedad support, yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want, you, we can skip that part of the... No, 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 we'll, no, we'll no I want to hear how What did this fellow do then? Basically, uh, Real Sociedad was winning and the supporters um, normally turn back to the ground and they uh, the celebrate like this, they yeah. jump. Uh, uh, that's something that comes from Argentina, I believe. Uh -huh. And uh, the TV was doing like a panoramic of the whole stands and there was all Real Sociedad supporters over there jumping and there was this Athletic Club Bilbao supporter among the Real Sociedad ones, just smiling, looking at the camera, and the camera focused on him for 20 seconds. Nice. It was a nice image, uh, fun to watch, but on the other hand, it also tells a lot about what the Basque Derby is about. Like, uh, there is a really good camaraderie between the uh, supporting crowds, and normally they can mix up in the stands and all that. So yeah, that was probably the moment of the weekend. I mean, we have had a, a bad month in football with the ultras also mm. just uh, taking sometimes players hostage in a way. And uh, this guy and this supporting crowds prove that the service can be also a nice thing to, to enjoy and uh, without any toxicity between mm. the, or animosity between the, the two sides. Yeah, that's yeah. a nice moment of the weekend. Thanks, Alvaro. James? Mine is in the stands as well, which is Salernitana against Inter. Don't know if you saw the scenografia done by the uh, the Cordova there, which was for the 50th anniversary of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Big Salerno band, of course. <laughs> Massive Salerno <laughs> band. <laughs> but I, I saw the communique, the ultras released afterwards explaining it, and they were like, yeah, we are big Pink Floyd fans, everyone. Uh, in Everyone in Italy is Everyone, a massive yeah. yes. Pink Floyd fan. But they, they said that the two faces either side of oh, the yeah. wall, right. they felt that really spoke to them in terms of like two faces that don't really speak to one another, mm. like the ultras and the rest of society. Uh, and, you know, the prism that is on the on the uh, album cover. Okay. That's, Again, if you if you look mixed, if right, you look through the prism, James, that's you dark might... side of the moon. The opposing faces yeah. are from Division Bell, yeah, and and the wall is <laughs> the wall, yeah, um, but which they reenacted magnificently, magnificently, yeah. yeah, But yeah, so they 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 basically it spoke to them about the division in yeah that they are not society. understood. But if you look closer, right, look through mm. all of the kind of things that are refracting right. the reality, yeah, then you will see that the world of the ultras is this has a to big be, pig flying from a past yeah. <laughs> exactly. this has to be one of the two worst moments of the week we've ever had on this show i, think. Right. I don't know so i think yours should, last week was pretty bad. pretty bad <laughs> you're one about mendy coming back <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't great yeah, that that was man great. was too better than that rafa your so, turn uh, i have a nice one for you oh, James. Right. Oh. Come on, give the people what they want yeah give them what they want a nice moment of the In week the okay. as well yeah i yeah. uh, look you came to me last, so I had all this time now, mm. extra time to think about one. But this one, actually, the moment I saw on Friday night, I thought this could be the moment of the week. Julian Rierson. Were you at Oktoberfest? Mm. Oh, well, from, from Dortmund. So Dortmund are 2-1 up at Hoffenheim on Friday night. And Hoffenheim are pushing a bit. And Rierson 
the Norwegian left-back wins the ball very deep in his own half, so not far from his own box, and just starts running down the line. And he just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And everyone kind of gives up in the end, and he scores. Was hat er für eine Kraft? Wie nimmt er das mit? Rüersen an zwei Mann vorbei. Rüersen ist durch. Rüersen ist durch. Rüersen. Rüersen. Most amazing solo effort. A great goal. I thought it was Ryerson. I thought... Wondered if he missed the it's puddle after Ned, that. Ned Ryerson? Yeah. yeah. Bing! Indeed. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. This is from, uh, you know where this is from? No. Ryerson from um, Groundhog Day. Yeah. Ned! Ryerson! Ned? Ned Ryerson? <laughs> don't remember? No. But you're not saying Groundhog Day. Yeah, I think I have, but I don't remember that. It's the guy that steps right. into the puddle. No, mm. that mm. makes. Um, yeah, thingy step into Mind the puddle. Mind that step, it's a doozy. Yeah, it's a mm. doozy. Sorry, uh, yeah, let's get on <laughs> to <laughs> big week ahead of week. us. Sorry. Big week ahead of us. Mm. Champions League. Let's get on to that next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, match day two in the Champions League, Europa and Europa Conference Leagues as well. What do we have in store Tuesday? There are such fixtures as Napoli Real Madrid. Luckily, they've had a nice quiet build-up to that in Naples. Inter taking on Benfica. And round one surprises, RB Salzburg will be up against Real Sociedad, freshly uh, victorious in that Bass derby. Also, you've got Lance Arsenal, Jules, which is a, yeah. a repeat of the Gunners' first ever Champions League fixture 25 years ago. How did, how did it go 25 years ago? Do you know? 1-1. Uh, one, one. Was it 1-1? One, one, yeah. one, one. I think so, yeah. Good yeah. knowledge. OK, well, Wednesday, anyway. Ooh, you've got PSG... At St. James's. Yeah. That's going to be extraordinary. One. Also in that group, Dortmund taking on Milan, uh, plus the traditional Leipzig-Man City matchup. Tuesday then, oh, also in there, Man United-Galatasaray. Rafa, you'll be covering that one. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I don't think United will score many goals, the way things have been going for them. Good time to play them, if you're Galatasaray. I agree. Really looking forward to this game. Are you? Yeah. What in particular? In particular, the um, Turkish Harry Potter, Kerem Aktekoglu, who celebrates with a trademark Harry Potter Mm. gesture. I've never seen Harry Potter, so I can only uh, say it without any real understanding. Uh Um, Has also worn sort of Harry Potter-esque glasses. Glasses. Right. And uh, has posed in kind of Harry Potter scenery and stuff. Very much uh, a big fan. So, in 1993, it was Welcome to Hell, and now it's what? Welcome to Hogwarts. Hogwarts. He's been getting um, love interest. Hmm. From... From what, the Quidditch community? or From, <laughs> <laughs> from big Premier League clubs, apparently. Ah, right, and Wilfried okay. Zaha, coming back and, to United. Yeah. He's called yeah. it the weekend as well for Galatasaray, so that should be good. But, but United oh. as well. I mean, United uh, has been so untidy lately then it, it makes that's, it a more fun, fun I wonder if they yeah. get a penalty they'll they'll attempt to do what they did last week Icardi and imagine, uh, that. Yeah. imagine that yeah right United have lost 6 but they lost 13 Champions League games at no, but, but seriously uh, you have spoken probably in the English podcast about Amrabat's position the other day on the left mm. uh, no we didn't actually there was a lot happening this Amra week. left the back pit, yeah, on the, no but it wasn't a left back it was a left back just in uh, in defense, but right. in possession, uh-huh. he became like a right holding midfielder right. instead of becoming a left holding midfielder sometimes. Something that didn't make any sense to me because Anrabal had to cover even more distance to go to his second position in the game. Mm. And then they finished the game with uh, 
Diogo Dalot and um, and Rabat himself right. uh, just defending the game and Harry Maguire just uh, pretty much as a striker trying mm-hmm. to win the game and Casemiro doing step overs uh, right. at the edge of the box just trying to you know find some space over there and to create something so it was a very untidy performance and mm-hmm. Manchester United Sounds doesn't like look a winning good winning recipe to me yeah, yeah. And, right. the, and the defense is in samples as well so yeah. it's going to be very interesting because Galatasaray has a lot of firepower but as you mentioned you know, United have a Harry of their own so you know it's going to be quite quite the matchup Benfica are taking on Inter who of course knocked them out in the quarterfinals last season they just beat Porto at the weekend, James. They did. Di Maria. Isso foi o que eu aprendi ao longo também da minha carreira. Atenção ao quarto de Neves. Ali o remate. Di Maria, yeah, he's had a great start to his second spell uh, with Benfica. He's clearly too good. Uh, for the Portuguese league. He was too good for Serie A when he played. Uh, unfortunately, he was too focused on playing the World Cup and got injured too often. But to be honest, in the Super Classico or Classico, whichever one it was in Portugal against Porto, you know, Porto were down to 10 men after 20 minutes. So to be expected, Benfica have to bounce back after losing to Salzburg mm-hmm. in match day one. All right. Inter did some bouncing back themselves this weekend, didn't they? Because they had previously, midweek, got done by our friend Sassuolo and another stunner from uh, Domenico Berardi. Yeah. And this weekend, they went up against the uh, the wall of uh, Salernitana. <laughs> Smashed it down. Smashed it down. One man. Yeah. One battering ram. One Toro. Lautaro Martinez, the first ever player to come off the bench and score four goals. Amazing, man. Extraordinary. A lot of them first-time finishes as well. Uh, I think eight out I mean, of his ten goals this season have been first time. All right of them, foot. really, because even, yeah. the, even the pennies. Well, the penalty in particularly is a one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's all four. Yeah. Four, there's no control. There's only yeah. like once I'm finished. It's amazing. Wow. Let's just uh, hope from Inter's point of view that in- Inzaghi doesn't play the reserves this time. Well, yeah. I mean, are you suggesting that's what happened on match day one? Mm. Yeah, you tried mm-hmm. to defend Sebastian. him on the gold show. Saying like, yeah. You know Aslani, he's a good player, this and that. Yeah, I'm not sure I said I'd that. I'd pick on Altovic. Yeah, you did. He can't pick on Altovic at the moment because he's out injured, unfortunately. Oh, but, oh well. Yeah, to be honest, uh, Real Sociedad put in the best performance I've seen anyone play against Inter. They were better, in my opinion, than City were against Inter mm. in the Champions League final. Be into teams, uh, yeah, but you know. You've just seen Real Sociedad at work. Yeah, no, they are improving. Uh, they are improving a lot. Uh, they have won, I think, three straight games now. Oyarzabal, a player that I criticized like two, three weeks ago for his contribution against Real Madrid, uh, has scored also three goals, yeah, also against it. Athletic yeah, Club Bilbao. You were mean, you were mean too. He's playing better. And Someone sent the Alvaro voice memo around. I, I invoked it's got him. To him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I brought yeah. him from the ashes. Mm-hmm. And uh, what can I say about Real Sociedad? I think that uh, the only thing they need to find is a number nine. I think that Andres Silva is still uh, not ready to play 90 minutes. And, and the other ones, like Umar Sadiq and Carlos Fernandez, haven't been good enough. But as soon as Andres Silva just uh, falls there in the lineup and starts scoring goal, I think Real, uh, Real Sociedad are going to be some sort of a complete product right now. They've got a really good centre-back, like uh, Lenormand, the French guy who plays for Spain. Good midfielders, especially I think that uh, Zubimend is fantastic this season. Right. Uh, number two to Rodri in the Spanish national side. And then Kubo, again. Kubo uh, and his uh, like performances. The celebration. Uh, the twerking uh, celebration. The twerking celebration, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we call it perrear in Spanish. He did, perrear. Li- yeah, he did a bit of that, yeah. Didn't uh, he? 
I thought he'd pulled a hamstring or yeah, something. Yeah, we all did, was... and then no. But then no. Bottom out. So a Real Sociedad will be playing their fixture from interim Benfica's group against uh, RB Salzburg, who sprang quite the surprise with their win at Benfica. Back on uh, 10-man Benfica, back yeah, on match that, day one. That is the, the point. They got a little bit lucky with the refereeing decision and uh, and scored against the run of play, even with 10-man Benfica, were actually very impressive. Mm. Who's the Benfica manager again? <laughs> How do you pronounce? Roger Schmidt. Yeah, Ruger. James. <laughs> 10 out of 10. After the hey, Napoli taking on Real. Real Madrid. Yeah, Napoli looked good all of a sudden. Yeah, They've scored eight goals in their last two games. Since we last spoke, the club did put out a statement which wasn't very well received, but uh, Aussie Men himself has put out a statement saying, nothing can come between me and the fans and this club. The fans, yeah, Neapolitans. Okay. I, I thought in the statement he does not mention Napoli the club. Ah, my mistake. I recall. Which, to be fair, I think is you know, a fair response to the statement that Napoli put out, which was a, a non-apology in many respects. Um, but, you know, Ozzyman is scoring again. He's, and so is Cavara. He looks back to his best. Cavara was outstanding in midweek against Udinese when he won a penalty. Um, he got two assists. He hit the woodwork. What did he get? One yeah, assist, hit the, hit the woodwork twice and scored. I mean, like one of the best performances I've seen in Serie A mm. this season. And I think that's a big part of the last week is that Napoli's best players who were maybe not fully fit at the start of the season were playing themselves into fitness, now look sharp again. And that was particularly the case with Cavada because Cavada missed a lot of preseason, maybe three weeks of preseason. And so he didn't start the first game against Frosinone, came on in the second game, and now you can tell he's beginning to spark again. So good timing, really. Mm. Um, I'm curious about... Uh, Carlo Ancelotti as well because Carlo has this reputation of being this very avuncular uh, he never falls out with any dressing rooms and instead he was sacked by Napoli because the players mutinied but did they mutinate against him or was it the fact that he kind of stood by while they mutinied against the uh, De Laurentiis' son and his mandate of a yeah it was a, it, it, it was a bit of both but mm. he was very much left looking isolated and could not bring those two sort of, I'd say, I wouldn't say warring parties, but f fractured parties back together. Right. And he, he paid the price for it. Paid the price. Um, so, well, didn't go too badly for him. There he is, top of the, of the standings in Spain with Real Madrid. What do you think? Real Madrid looked shaky in their match day one performance against Union, Union Berlin. Yeah. You're not convinced by them, especially up top. Possibly no, keep scoring. But the thing yeah. is that they, they have to play with him. That's the mm. thing. Uh, number one, he's scoring goals. Not as many as a top striker would have scored at this point in the competition. But when you have Joselu, you know that you can actually supply uh, the ball to someone in the box. That's number one. And uh, number two, with Rodrigo's form right now, it's a no-brainer to put Joselu on the pitch because Rodrigo has been really poor definitely in September. So I think the game at um, Diego Armando Maradona is going to be, obviously, competitive, difficult for Real Madrid, but they have been able to race uh, up to the challenge this season with the exception of the game against Atletico de Madrid, but uh, against Girona, for example, 
they competed and they won. And I think that against Union Berlin as well, we knew at some point that they were going to win that game. I don't know. I personally thought that at some point Real Madrid was going to find the goal somewhere. And I think that here uh, also they probably they'll bring this, their competitive best. Uh, the only thing with Real Madrid is that Militao is out, Alaba is not playing the game, and Nacho will have to play with Rudiger, and Rudiger, Rudiger is not feeling great. I think he has an injury as well. So let's see how good they play together, because this defence is obviously not the uh, first choice for Ancelotti. Against a team that's just scored eight goals in the last two fixtures. Mm, interesting. So you're confident, Alvaro? I, I am confident Ooh. because Real Madrid races to the challenge. Yes, right. I, I am. And uh, I think that in... The Ancelotti, little by little, is uh, just finding like solutions for some issues he had. For example, Camavinga the other day he played as a left back, and I think that despite uh, Camavinga's great contribution in midfield, probably Camavinga will have to play as a left back more for Real Madrid. That frees space in midfield. Tony Cross, Valverde, Chouameni, and Camavinga, Chouameni uh, and Bellingham can play there. So I think that that gives in a way Ancelotti like a solution. Uh, he doesn't have to leave any good midfielder in the bench. And then up front, uh, Jose Lu is showing his worth and I think that he's going to play and Ancelotti wants to play him because every time Real Madrid needs a goal, they, he brings Jose Lu on the pitch. So little by little, he's finding solutions and also Vinicius is back uh, because Vinicius played the other day. Obviously, Vinicius gives Real Madrid uh, a totally different approach when it comes to attacking because they can attack from the left. So it's not the best, the best moment for Madrid, but little by little, the pieces are coming together, I think. What do you say to that, James Horncastle? Yeah, what do you say? <laughs> <laughs> I think so Napoli are a more here. dangerous team. <laughs> I mean, I'm not just saying this on the basis of eight goals in two games, but I think uh, as an attacking unit, Napoli are better um, at the moment just because they have Aussie men who stretches defences, gives you ability to put the ball in the box in the air and he can go up and win it. Cavado with his dribbling. Even the midfield players at Napoli at the moment, I'm really intrigued by the midfield battle there because Lobotka and Gisa and uh, Zielinski. I mean, Zielinski for me has been the player of the season for Napoli so far. Uh, it's really competitive. Um, so I think this Napoli team is confident and it's kind of pulled itself together. It's got over the fact that Spalletti's gone. It's fitter. And so on that basis, I think, I think Napoli will... I'm not going to say that they're going to do what they did to Liverpool... Mm -hmm. this time last year but I, I could totally see them scoring a number of goals against Three, this Madrid four, side five. Well, yeah. wow. uh, look, and Real Madrid still oh, depend a lot on Jude Bellingham let's be honest they, they depend a lot he scored the other day and he gave a beautiful assist as well mm. against Girona uh, Osimhen is probably the player who can actually score more goals by heading in Europe right now and Real Madrid considered three uh, headed goals against Atletico de Madrid you remember ah, so yeah. over there they will have obviously to pay much more attention uh, to Very a player like Victor Osimhen because Osimhen is not Morata and even though Morata scored two goals against Real Madrid the other day but you know I think that he's going to be pretty contested and Real Madrid are going to bring their competitive best Excellent probably the standout fixture of Tuesday with all due respect to Lons Arsenal Lons who got a win this weekend Yeah and two and two now Yeah nice Yeah one to ten, they're kind of the banana skin factor of this fixture for Arsenal. I think the crowd will be amazing mm -hmm. at Bollard uh, for their return, obviously, in the Champions League after 20 years. They have nothing to lose. They know it. They know that Arsenal are so good in form, even if Sakai is a bit doubtful, even if there's a few niggles there and there, Gabriel Jesus as well. They have nothing to lose. If they lose, it's normal. If they get a point, it's amazing. And if they win, it's even, it's even better. So at least there's more belief now that they can do something compared to three weeks ago, for example. 
They have good momentum. Eli Wahid, a striker who came in to replace Opanda, scored at the weekend, the winning goal against Strasbourg, and he can still, and he will do better because he's an amazing young talent. So yeah, it's just, it's one of those where really they're going to approach it, I think, in, in such a happy way, unless they get battered 6-0, which I don't think will happen. But no pressure. Everybody will be very happy there. The fans are so looking forward to it. And so are the players. It's the kind of games that you want to play as a player. So. Lovely stuff. Oh, in a second, we'll get on to another game where the fans are really looking forward to it. Taking place on Tyneside. Yeah. Hi, everyone. David Ornstein here. And I want to tell you about The Athletic's new bite-sized podcast, The Daily Football Briefing. If you're one of those people who are just too busy for a regular-length podcast in the morning, this is right up your street. In just over 10 minutes, we'll bring you bang up to date with the biggest stories in football all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. It'll be Matt Slater on a club's ongoing takeover saga, our club experts reflecting on big overnight matches, and let's be honest, me explaining those transfer stories that just won't go away. That's the Daily Football Briefing, every weekday morning, available wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Wednesday in the Champions League. Ooh, Newcastle taking on Paris Saint-Germain and in that group, Dortmund-Milan. What about that Newcastle-PSG game? The David Ginola derby. The David Ginola derby? Mm, You're the, right. The are there any Qatar. other PSG players who used to play for Newcastle? Mm, Sorry? Question. Any other PSG players? Yeah, Laurent Robert. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Newcastle had like 14 French players like back at... Like eight yeah, years ago. Johan Kabay as well. Johan Kabay, Kabay, another one, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Kabay played there. Who's now head of the academy uh, at PSG, so he will be travelling there with a lot of good memories in Newcastle. Mm. We were talking about it with James earlier before the show and the, the TIFO guys. Oh, yeah. In the sense that it's a great occasion, again, I think, if you're a Newcastle fan, I think the pressure is more on PSG, maybe, and mm. Newcastle have found some form, four wins and one draw in the last five in all competition. It would be a very open game. And what we saw from PSG on Saturday against Clermont is when they play a low block, they just don't like it. Right. They're not really too bothered. And when you open up a little bit, that's where I think they are much better. And Newcastle will open. They have to. That's their game anyway. Well, so, is it? I mean, is that the way they played at San Siro? <laughs> at San Siro, they were really lucky to come away with anything. Yeah. Um, and I think we had a line that they, they brought in a, a psychologist um, because Newcastle anticipated that sort of being in the Champions League for the first time in a long, long time, being in the group that they're in, there are going to be nights where they they might concede three or four, which they could have done. Mm. Uh, and it's it's important that they don't let that affect them. Yeah, and I'm so, just not so sure how open they'll be. But at home, you'd expect them to oh, try they play, and they're playing make team. an engagement. They play football. They don't really park the bus. They never do. Right. Even at San Siro, they didn't do. That's why they conceded so many chances. Yeah, no, I mean, Milan made them yeah, look exactly. like a team that, was hemmed in on their end of the right. theatre. I don't think the area. plan in Milan was just to defend for a nil-nil draw, for example. They just were... 
They could not play because the other team was much better than them. All right. Speaking of nil-nil draws, though, that's what PSG had against second from bottom Clermont yeah. at the weekend. Only the second point that Clermont have picked up this season. Was yes. Selena Gomez at this one? George? She was not. Oh, she no. didn't make the trip enough, funnily so enough. What happened to PSG then? They had loads of shots, chances. I mean, Moridio, the uh, mm. Clermont goalkeeper who used to be at the PSG Academy, he made had 10 a saves. Pope of a match. He had an amazing game. I think they could have played another two hours and he would have saved everything. And I also think that when watching on television, they didn't look that bothered, to be fair. Mbappé, Dembele. Should they be? They're Colomani fifth Barcola. in the table. Um, yeah, it's the worst start since QSI took over the club right. in 2011. They've never had so many, so low points after. Uh, at this stage of the season before. I don't think they're too worried by those kind of games. That's, you know, they, they've, they've usually responded really well in the bigger games in the league or in the Champions League against Dortmund. And I think the idea from them is to do the same on Wednesday in Newcastle. So uh, we'll have to see. I wonder, Jules, is there any debate uh, in France about how much possession PSG has? Because in Spain, there was one when Spain had the ball for too long mm. and we didn't score or create. And I was checking the league and numbers. PSG averages uh, 71% possession. It's a lot in league on average. On average. Wow, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, no, there's no... Deep, I mean, they create chances. They had chances. They hit the post. Mbappé hit the post. Should have scored really on Saturday. Um, but we saw Nini draw against Lorient. They drew 1-1 one, one at Toulouse in, in match day two of the season as well. I think those, those happen. But the possession is not really a problem, I think. And it's the, the way they recover the ball very quickly, the counter-pressing that is really efficient and okay. very impressive... So that also means that they're going to have more of the ball. We'll have to see. It doesn't feel like... I mean, Luis Enrique was really happy again on Saturday. Wow. He's always You're ha- still seems calling him Luis Enrique. That's, yeah. That is a big positive you, for Luis Enrique. Well, I thought you'd be what, calling him like the Spanish guy. Do I, have I, have I ever done that? Not yet. That's <laughs> not yet. <laughs> In that group, there's also Dortmund-Milan. That's the famous Group F, of course. We've heard about Dortmund and their third straight victory against Hoffenheim on Friday. Milan have got their shooting boots back on, Jules. They, they? Uh, Yeah, they beat Cagliari, bottom of the table, Cagliari, 3-1 midweek, and then 2-0 against the hapless Mauricio Sarri's Lazio uh, this weekend. So, yeah, already a huge game, that one, after Milan's stumble at San Siro and Dortmund's defeat in, in Paris, I would say. Anyway, you can watch what happens on yeah. the goal show. Milan were very impressive uh, in midweek against Cagliari, and I know you can say... Calorie are in dire straits at the moment, but Pioli rotated his team a lot in that game and they looked really good. They had a lot of their new signings in. There's this Adley mania going on at the moment. Yeah, the new Zidane, it. the new Pirlo, which is a little bit over the top, but good to see him uh, playing. And also second half against Lazio, they were very, very good. I mean, you said dire straits, but aren't they in the Strait of Bonifacio? Actually, it's the other end of the island, Rafa. If you know your southern <laughs> geography. Close enough. That would be um, Close enough. Bonifacio. Bonifacio. Yeah. <laughs> Hence the name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, fair point. Fair point. Ooh, Leipzig City. Yes. Let's finish off our Champions League preview with that one, Rafa, because how did it go last time they met? In that stadium, 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. And then when they met game. afterwards back at City? Yeah, that was slightly more one-sided. Yeah, so what was it? Just a 7-0. 7-0. Haaland scored five, no? Erling Haaland yeah. got five. That's right. Yeah. yeah, just five. But uh, this is a new Leipzig. Back in the days when he used to score goals, of course. This is a new Leipzig. Yeah. You know? 
Um, because they sold uh, the good players from the last They sold the good uh, players, but signed some really, really great players. And a players. new city as well, don't you think, guys? Hmm? City perhaps more vulnerable this season. Yeah. Who yeah. knows? I mean, they Although lost at Wolves. Back-to-back defeats in the League Cup and then at Wolves of the weekend, but Rodri missing for both of those. He'll be back in for this. Yes, that's a big yeah, plus. Yeah, last year they relied on uh, the technique of Rodri, Gundo and Bernardo and Kevin De Bruyne. And those four made the difference in the possession this season. And Rodri is back for this game, of course. But I don't know if um, Bernardo will be back for this game. Kevin is out and Gundogan plays for Barcelona. So Manchester City has a very different vision of this season, I think. What are you saying, Alvaro? What I'm saying is that um, they got plenty of ball carriers, as Pep uh, Guardiola is saying this now. But I think that they don't have the quality that the previous midfielders had. So sometimes it's difficult to win... Uh, just with ball carriers, so you need a lot of technique as well to keep the possession. And against Nottingham Forest, it was very remarkable for me. City was reduced to 10 men, Rodri came out, obviously, sent off, and Manchester City couldn't keep the possession against Nottingham Forest. In the past, in 2018, Manchester City would have kept the possession to win that game, but this time they just, Guardiola brought centre-backs, brought Calvin Phillips, but, they, but Manchester City didn't defend with the ball. They are a different team right now. They are transforming until Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo, and the new players, you know, adapt. Okay. Marco Ruzer's Leipzig coming off a massive game at the weekend when they took on Bayern Munich. And it should have been a massive win, really, because mm. they were 2-0 up. They had chances to make it three before half-time. In the second half, the inevitable Bayern comeback happened, and in the end, it was a 2-2, but they very nearly won it late on. And Benjamin Sheshko just a few centimetres off taking the ball round uh, Ulreich, who'd come out miles outside far, the goal. Far too far, yeah. And a 2-2 draw, that felt a bit more like a defeat because of their dominance in the first half. But they really managed to disrupt Bayern's game. Uh, on the wings, Bayern were very ineffective, usually one of their best areas. Harry Kane had a very quiet game, only seven touches in the first half. So they'll be reasonably confident they can get a draw against a City team that, away from home, in the Champions League, tend to be very pragmatic, uh, very cautious. Pep always almost plays for the draws, especially in the knockouts. Maybe it'll be a bit more expensive in in a game that they can afford to lose, of course. But yeah, Leipzig, I think, despite some of the off-the-pitch issues, which I think we'll have to talk about in a second, um, will feel good about themselves going into this game. Okay, that's coming up on Wednesday. One other game, actually, I did say, to finish off our Champions League preview, but quick mention for Lazio, defeated at the weekend by Milan, languishing down towards the bottom end of the table in Serie A. What kind of opposition are they going to be at Parkhead on Wednesday for Celtic? Well, they've lost, uh, what, four or five of eight uh, in Serie A. Lost big games as well to Juventus, uh, to Milan. This is a team that last year kept more than 20 clean sheets, but their defensive solidity seems to have not entirely disintegrated, but they're certainly not as solid as they were last year. They miss Milinkovic Savic, who went to Saudi Arabia. Milinkovic Savic, who was twice the City Midfield Player of the Year, unique skill set, and they haven't really found a way to attack uh, without him. Immobile missed uh, the game at the weekend. He had a, uh, a muscle injury, but Castellanos, um, who they signed, played didn't score, but I thought played uh, well. But uh, Lazio have had a really tough start to the season. Sarri complained about this on the eve of the season because he likes to complain, um, saying that the statistical probability of them having to play so many games away from home and play 
all quite a few of the big teams this 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 early uh, was very very small. It's also hit out at UEFA, FIFA, Serie A, saying they they've all really pissed him off. Okay, um, because uh, we play too much football, and that's why there were fifty muscle injuries in Serie A over the last two match days. So he kind of called out the players' union. So I mean, he's getting a lot of excuses in. <laughs> um, the owner as well, uh, Claudio Lotito, just decided to do the transfer business himself hmm. um, this uh, this summer, and kind of had a go at Sarri for wanting players like Fred from Man United and Samuele Ricci from Torino, and then signed other players. So there's a lot of kind of disjointed stuff going on, really, with Lazio. And let's not forget that they only got a point in their first game of the Champions League season thanks to their goalkeeper, Ivan Provedel, and his headed goal in stoppage time against Atletico. So, no, it's probably a good time to face them. All right. They do still have people like Felipe Anderson and above all, Luis Alberto. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, I think they still should be favourites for this game. Mm. But um, if you were to pick a moment in which to play Lazio, you'd probably pick You'd go with this, this week. one. I see. All righty. Hey, next up, let's find out about that trouble at RB Leipzig. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Bundesliga, hey, it's tight, Raph. At the top five teams within three points of each other. That's Bayer Leverkusen, Stuttgart, Bayern, uh, Dortmund and Leipzig. Uh, you were mentioning that despite Leipzig otherwise pretty nifty start to the season that there's uh, trouble brewing well there was oh and uh, they have reacted to it because Max Eberl the sporting director who moved quite controversially from Borussia Gladbach in the spring has been relieved of his duties uh, six months into his stay him and uh, Oliver Minzlaff who's the the big boss not just at uh, RB Leipzig but also at the Red Bull company these days has um, said that uh, Eber lacked commitment, wasn't really there much, uh, spent too much money on transfers. None of these, not all of these things are on the record, but they've heavily briefed as to the reasons why uh, they let him go. And still the timing was a big surprise because it happened the day before that massive game against Bayern and just a few days before the big game against Man City. But uh, Minzlaff felt that it wouldn't have a negative impact on the team, which I guess he was right in, and that uh, you have to make a decision the moment you feel it needs to be made. Right. There were some suggestions that Abel might be heading to Bayern Munich. Bayern, yeah. I mean, he used to play there as a youngster. Uh, he's often talked about Bayern being his dream. I uh, also mentioned Arsenal, interesting enough, mm -hmm. one of the clubs he really likes. Did they appear in his dream as well? <laughs> I don't know, fit? I okay. don't know, but um, those two he mentioned, along with Borussia Mönchengladbach, that's wow. before he moved Promiscuous. to Leipzig, obviously. Um, he spends a lot of time in Munich because his partner lives in Munich. And Bayern don't have anyone on the board right? Um, with a sporting brief. Uh, the people on the board are Herbert Heiner, the former Adidas uh, CEO, who's now the Bayern president. They have Christoph Freund as a sporting director, so... Eber would sit above him in the organigram of the organization. And I'm not sure everyone in Munich feels that 
there's a real need to bring Abel in. Oh, I thought that was one of the big questions about Bayern at the start of the season. The lack of somebody orchestrating Abel. Yeah, yeah, but then they, they got in. Oh, nice. yeah, they got Kane. Can they get Abel? Yeah. <laughs> nice. But then they got Christoph Freund, of course, so oh, as a sporting okay. director. As I just mentioned right. a second ago. Right. Um, but... <laughs> Ebel has a big fan in Uli Hoeneß, right. who's of course still very, very important at Bayern. Right. But I think there are one or two people within the organization who are less convinced. Okay. But I don't think there's necessarily a, a big connection between getting fired and Bayern's interest, although Leipzig have tried to spin it that way a little bit. Oh. They said he, they would have liked to see more of a show of uh, loyalty mm. when all these rumours came up and he never really said anything beyond, I have a contract with Leipzig. That's enough sporting director chat for now. Let's hear about Bayer Leverkusen, who are off to the best start in their entire history. Yeah, they won again, James, at the top of the table, 16 points from six games. Uh, I think we've, we've praised them quite a lot on the show under Xabi Alonso. This was a difficult game away to Mainz. They needed an own goal to get really going, but then Grimaldos got a wonderful uh, free kick. And uh, in the end, they kind of ran away with it. Yeah, they're just a lovely team to watch. Probably the best football in Germany at the moment. They are also a little bit beset by off-the-pitch rumours because it's now ramping up the whole Xabi Alonso going to Real Madrid story since Marca broke the news or at least implied that he was the candidate, the number one candidate to succeed uh, Carlo Ancelotti. Of course, he renewed his contract not long ago until 2026. Um, I spoke to Simon Rolfes, the sports director, last week. He seemed very relaxed and said it's, it's a great thing when our players do well, when our coaches do well, then they're about to attract interest. And he was suggesting that Alonso is so careful and uh, so unhurried, just as he was on the pitch, really, that they don't think he's going to immediately jump on to taking over the Madrid job and right. will think very carefully. And in the meantime, they're doing really well. And the, the more they do well, the more that he, he will feel it's worth staying and seeing this through because next season they'll be in the Champions League again, etc., etc. So it's a nice problem to have, I think, okay. if your coach is doing too well. So you, your kind of instinct is that he might not be keen to make that jump, that he might be sticking around for a while. My instinct, as his buyer's instinct, is that he'll think very, very carefully. I mean, there'd be coaches who'd say, oh, Real Madrid want me. I'm Spanish. I've played there. Of course, I'm going to go. Thank you very much. See you later, Leverkusen. But they don't have that impression of him because of all the um, yeah, the care he's been t- taking in, in sort of really planning his, his coaching career, going very carefully from one step to the next, taking his time, Edras Sociedad B, etc., etc. So... They are hopeful that he's going to stay a bit longer. Why are you right. laughing? <laughs> <laughs> I just could say, welcome to Al Nasser, Xavi Alonso, 2024-2025. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it is seen almost as a, as a given that he's going to be yeah. not just a contender, but the likely successor in, yeah, of but, Carlo at the moment. Yeah, of course. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was Raul. Uh, they were talking about him, but Castilla is not just getting to the level, perhaps, that... Uh, qualifies Raul to be the next Real Madrid coach, it could happen, but I cannot see Xavi Alonso doing a Lopetegui, if you understand what I mean. Mm. Just uh, signing for Real Madrid uh, while he's uh, the coach of the Spanish national team, as Lopetegui did, and Rashid and all that very quickly. I cannot see Xavi Alonso doing that. Okay. 
You've got a piece up at the moment, Rafa, all about the confusion at Bayern Munich, where you've spotted the same Jackson Pollock randomness that we had before the arrival of Tuchel. Layer upon layer of stuff just sort of happens. Splashes of brilliance here, dark blots of despair there. It's confusion on an epic scale. If you like the sound of that, listen, get yourself along to The Athletic. Thank you, James, uh, for quoting yes. me at length. Yeah. Bayern... You won't believe the shock ending of that article. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bayern um, were again posing so many questions, not just for neutrals, but for Thomas Tuchel, mm. who every week seems to come out scratching his head and wondering what the problem is. He even went so far this week in saying, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe my plan is shit. Yeah. Quote. He told Archie. Unquote. Yeah. He told Archie. Um, he also which I thought was an interesting take for a coach, suggested that maybe his ideas are too complicated for a team that needs more simplified tactical instructions. Right. Uh, in brackets, they are too stupid to follow my ideas. Um, but, but as you pointed out in your excellent piece, that was kind of the issue with Nagelsmann, wasn't it? Exactly, exactly. And here we are six months later, mm. and we're talking about the same things. And Tuchel seems genuinely, I don't think, Big Sam to Bayern? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't think Tuchel His football's is, not simple, James. I don't think Tuchel <laughs> is deflecting. I don't think he's saying it to necessarily slam the players. I think he's generally not sure. Right. Am I the problem here? Am right. I asking him too much? Right. Or are they not able to follow slightly more complex ideas? And how the do you feel about... When they changed, mm. when they changed in the second half, when he said they, they simplified um, their strategy... Then, yes, Bayern were much better going forward. They created chances, but the game opened up. And the kind of control that Tuchel craves, and we know we associate him, him with him with the manager who wants control. And, and Bayern, as a club, want control. They want the reliability. That was gone completely. So it's very hard to understand, A, why we've seen such little progress, unless everything comes down to the lack of a holding midfielder who can sort of if do it's hard for us to understand to imagine do everything like Rodri players. style in front of the defence and give Bayern that kind of pausa and that kind of momentum of of control that they, they're lacking or if there's something else going on but I mean if Tuchel doesn't find the answers it's, it's hard for me as well wow indeed alright excellent well, having said all that yes I expect him to go to Copenhagen and, I mean, and, put in a, Copenhagen. and put in a big result, especially after Copenhagen lost lost against Midtjylland hmm. on the weekend and uh, probably not in the best of forms okay. to take on Bayern this week. Thank you, Rafa. Let's talk about Liga next. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. 
Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to the Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Top of the table clash last weekend as Nice yeah. took on Stade Brestois. Yeah. Finish goalless. Top five and three points as well. Yeah, Liga. Very exciting. But top of the pile, Monaco. You talked about your excitement to see Gennaro Gattuso yeah. on the bench there for Loem. And what a start they had in that derby with Monaco. They scored after 31 seconds. Iliman Ndiaye, who came from Sheffield United, of course, of course, in the summer for 20 million euros. Big signing. He's a Marseille fan. He was at the academy when he was younger before going to England. And I think that the fact that he hadn't done well, not scoring, not assisting was kind of heavy on him. But now after 31 seconds, this is it. And Gattuso was super happy on the bench. He only lasted seven minutes because Monaco then leveled on the eighth minute by uh, Magnus Akliush. And after that, it was a very open game. In the end, I think Monaco was just too strong for Gattuso and Marseille. Was it the Gigo, the goal? Gigo, yeah, yeah. Roast on the roast. Wonderful goal. Sunday Rose called to make it 2-1. So Marseille and Gattuso led twice. <laughs> Balogun's goal was pretty nice as well. And no? Balogun's yeah. goal. Yeah, Monaco are two... Marseille right now, especially away, I think it's difficult for them to compete. But mm. well, Gattuso will have to sort out the defence. And this is not like an Italian cliche, but right. they've considered four in Paris, three in Amsterdam, and then three again in Monaco. Wow. So for everything else to be better and them staying winning and climbing up in the table, they would need to be stronger defensively. Right, they're conceding at least three goals a game in their last three fixtures. Who are they facing midweek? Oh, Brighton. Yeah. So teams who take on the Seagulls tend to either get torn apart or exactly. tear them apart. Yeah. Uh, which kind of opponent are Marseille going to be? I don't know, it's a good question. We've been saying in France there's just no middle ground for this Brighton team, which mm. is in, very interesting in itself. Uh, it tends to depend, does it not, on how they play their football, the opponents. So what, true. Are, are Marseille going to be the kind of team that Brighton enjoy? or? I think if Gattuso is clever, which he is, if you watch the Aston Villa game, try to do the same. And you don't have only Watkins, you've got Bameyang. You don't have Diaby, but you've got NDI, for example. Uh, so I think they will go quite deep and then play on in transition on the counter and try to exploit the Brighton flows defensively, which they are flows when they are in the form that they were on Saturday, for mm. example. So I think there's a bit of hope and the Velodrome is going to be rocking, really. One, because it's the first home game for Gattuso and I think the fans are... Historic beef between him and uh, Dizerbi as well. Oh, really? From that, where? Yeah, yeah, from uh, Foggia yeah. against Pisa. No way, I love that. Yeah, if you go on YouTube, you'll see Parapilia, sort of, you know, really? big, yeah, yeah, it's huh. good. Talking about beefs, uh, Simeone and Arnes Lot as well. They are playing this this mm. week too, and they had one two years ago. What was their beef about? Yeah, I have no idea. But oh. it was a, a game played in August, so it must have been it must have been pre-season. Oh. And after the game, uh, Simeone was basically running uh, towards Arnes Lot, and he was incensed. And normally, Simeone it's a very you know he gets heated, but they haven't seen him like this for a very long time. Maybe since his playing times. Well, that's something to watch then in a final clash with Atletico 
Madrid. And indeed in uh, Marseille-Brighton. Ooh, mm. the other game in that group in the Europa League, Thursday, is of course AEK against Ajax, who this weekend had another game suspended. Yeah, oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, they did. Yeah, it was the end because the Volvic uh, goalkeeper... Uh-huh. Etienne Vassen, who uh, was knocked unconscious after a clash of head with Brian Broby, and I, I think they, they thought he'd, he'd gone. So they, the medics, to be fair, reacted very quickly, resuscitated him almost. Uh, he was conscious as he came off the pitch. Certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, yeah, they, they were really quick to intervene. That the players were quite distraught, mm. to be fair. Jules, speaking of, um, of, of these kind of incidents, what happened to that French mascot, mm. the Canary? Right. I was just going to ask that. The canary who was carried off on a stretcher. <laughs> so this was an extraordinary. I this was in the uh, Brett. Uh, sorry, the uh, Brittany Derby. Yeah, the Brittany Derby. Right, and uh, Ren beat Nantes three-one, but yeah. they also lost the mascot. Well, yeah, Nantes did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so the Nantes is a canary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there minding his own business? When minding it? his own business. <laughs> <laughs> minding. That wasn't. Yeah, you oh, said sorry. mining. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fraudulent okay. slip. <laughs> When in comes, what's the breast? Oh, sorry. <laughs> 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 what, what's the wren? What's the wren, mascot? So it's an ermine? I don't know how you say it in English. Oh, an ermine. Uh, like it's uh, like a ferret, no? Yeah. 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 So it's called ermine. And, and completely, uh, as if the Nantes mascot had been a pitch invader. Yeah, it was yeah. that kind of takedown. Yeah. But in taking him down, he injures him. That The head goes... I like the fact that the head comes off in the impact, but they put it back on. Because you're not supposed to see who is under the uh, costume. Right. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's caused quite a lot of controversy. There's a lot of controversy be in this derby because people say Nantes are not in Brittany, which technically they're not really in the region. However... Do they, they sing a song? They don't, but they... So, if you're from Rennes and the proper Bretagne, you don't really consider Nantes as Brittany. Nantes like to call themselves Breton as well and part of Brittany. So, already in itself, that's controversial. And there's, there's a lot of beef between the two clubs, to go back to beef, and clearly beef between the two mascots as well. Wow. And, I mean, just, I don't think they just like each other. I mean, in Canary, you know. But mm. what, what I'd always back uh, uh, an ermine, Ferris, yeah, I would, yeah, I would against the Canary. Me too. I think it's and pretty one sided. It no? looks bigger, yeah, he's taller mm. and bigger. Yeah. All right. No, that was, and that was a good derby, by the way. So Will the Canary be back next week? They're hoping or? so, yeah. Obviously, clearly, they don't play midweek. They're not in, yep. uh, you know, they're not in Europe. If anymore. only there was some way of swapping in a able-bodied. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Abel. Max Abel. Maybe he can do it. He can also yeah. go to Nantes. Yeah. Uh, just to quickly touch on one or two other things from the Europa League midweek, alongside Marseille-Brighton and AEK Ajax, you've also got Freiburg against West Ham, Rafa. What's that going to be like? Both teams victorious back on match day one. And they had a win at the weekend against Augsburg. Yeah, Freiburg always beat Augsburg. Good. 17 times they've played them. They'd won 15 and now it's 16 and 18 at home. So they don't always beat them. Well, kind of. <laughs> kind of, James. Kind of. Uh, and as you said, they, they beat Olympiakos mm. away. Freiburg, very hard to play against. Very, very solid good from free kicks, good from set pieces, um, full stop. Uh, it's going to be hard for West Ham, I think, to break them down. Interesting. Also Thursday, Liverpool taking on Union Saint-Gerois, which is exciting because... because the McAllister brothers. The brothers. Yeah. 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 Very much. What are their names, do you remember? Alexis and Kevin. Yeah. You'll be able to see highlights of Liverpool against Union Saint-Gerois and maybe 
Sporting Atlanta as well, which looks like a tasty matchup Thursday, James. It does. Sporting currently top of the Liga Nosh. And, you know, Atalanta should have beaten Juventus at the weekend. Uh, they were slightly better. They'll have Skamaka back, maybe. Skamaka put in sort of about Kavadatskelia's performance against Dudinese, but Skamaka's performance against Monza a few weeks ago was pff, unbelievable. Outstanding. So that's probably the tie of the Italians to watch. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend watching Roma right now. Well, we'll, we'll come on to Roma and Jose's latest travails and also uh, mm-hmm. triumphs. City Aaron is second, but Jules. Just to finish, Lyon lost again. So two in two for Fabio Grosso, our friend. Mm. Two defeats in a row. Combinato are, you, are you still convinced there's no way that they can go down, Lyon? I have to say, watching the game yesterday on Sunday, and they were so bad. And he looked so... Not clueless, because it's not, his, it's not his fault. He just arrived, and this is very complicated. Mm. But he looked like he was thinking, what am I doing here, really? Because we still and the last played really well. <laughs> no, it's true. said that two seconds ago. And Corentin Tolisso, who played, uh, was, uh, was doing an interview after the game and almost cried and saying, listen, I've been a fan of this team since I was a kid. Mm. And then to, to be on to be a player now and, and have them in this position is, is really hard to take. So Seven league titles in a row, Jules. And they have two points after seven games. They scored three goals. Jules. And it's just not, it doesn't look like they can find a quick, easy solution. Grosso said at the end, I can still see the light at the tunnel. I think the tunnel is pretty big. And right. you might see the light. You might never get out of the tunnel anyway. It might be an so. oncoming train as the... Uh, <laughs> as well, yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> uh, it's really tricky for them. All really, right. really uh, tricky. And Manto then- Grosso, have you done that one as well? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was quite funny when Grosso got appointed. No, it was after Gattuso got appointed. There was some editorial in L'Equipe which was like, oh, so all you have to do is win the World Cup and you just get jobs these days. Yeah, it's like, well, exactly. you it's win the World Cup against yeah, France. Kevin Durham is next. Then, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jules. Next up, let's move on to Syria. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. James, two whole rounds since uh, we last spoke. Uh, They've left the two Milanese sides level on top, Inter and Milan. Four points clear of Napoli and Juventus. Uh, What's the big story for you here? Now that you've killed off Lecce, who you, after your Leicester talk last week, they have back-to-back defeats. Do you want to try bigging up Genoa? Because they look pretty tasty at the moment, don't they? The big story midweek, certainly, was their 4-1 demolition of Roma, which saw the Italian press kind of turning on Jose for the first time. Yeah, and Jose, he did what we saw at Man United in that famous press conference where he said, I've won won more Premier Leagues than all the other managers put together. Three, respect, respect. Respect. So he was he was asked uh, after the game about his record, and he said, "Yeah, it's it is the worst start to a season that I've ever had. I think it's the worst start to the season. It matches one in the late '70s for Roma." And he said, "But uh, I think it was also the first time that Roma played back-to-back European finals yeah. since I've been here." And I also won the win. Paris Cup and under 15. There you go. Yeah. There you go. There Always you go. a winner. But yeah, Genoa have been good. I mean, they they beat Lazio. Okay, everyone beats Lazio these days. But they were 2-0 up against Napoli. And it was only a couple of worldies uh, that got Napoli back into that game. And they have got Retegi, 
who they signed mm. uh, from from Argentina, Retegi, who'd been playing for the Italian national team. Uh, and you can see, yeah, Mancini was right to call him up because right. he's he's playing well. And then there's the there's Goodmanson. Albert Goodmanson. Who who is this fellow? He's well, amazing. I, Alvaro was talking about football heritage. He has got football heritage in that his grandfather uh, used to play for AC Milan back in the uh, late forties, early fifties. Really? Fifties. Yeah. He was incredible against Roma. Involved in a few of the goals. There's one where he skips away from three of the players oh, yeah, really on the good. sidelines. So good. Um, which, so, yeah, he's probably been the most exciting player in Serie A this season. Mm. Um, so there you go, James. You asked me to curse him, <laughs> them. And, no, no. Yeah. I, my namesake's we're, we're club, of course, yeah. Genoa. Of course. Of course. Currently being What's managed. What's namesake's club? Well, because they were founded by a guy called Dr. Spensley, but his full name is James Richardson Spensley. Oh, okay. And he nice. founded the first Italian football club. Amazing. Yeah, yeah so it's James was regenerated. Yeah, it's your club. He then opened the <laughs> duty free as well store in Tel Aviv. Records aren't clear about that. <laughs> uh, but the other team. But is, speaking, of, no, I just wanted yeah. to throw in the Rafa saying, "All you have to do is win a World Cup and you get jobs." Alberto Giladino doing a fantastic job at Genoa. I was surprised. I didn't figure him for. Uh, yeah, and uh, some of his old teammates have said exactly the same. They didn't think he would be a, mm. a coach. Right. I've heard the same about Simone Inzaghi. It's strange that actually. These strikers mm. um, are, are becoming good coaches. I mean, he got the job on a caretaker basis last season mm. when they sacked Alexander Blessing Pressing. Um, Blessing, who had come in, replaced Shevchenko, couldn't stop them going down. And he did such a good job that they stuck with him. And, you know, Genoa are a, one of these triple seven teams. And, you know, while I wouldn't say their transfer business has been anything original or out of the box I mean some of the signings have been good like mm. Goodmanson last year uh, Retegi obviously this year I mean Retegi for the price that they've got for uh, him for I mean they will make easy profit on him when he right. comes to go his touch on the uh, I think it was the third goal against Roma was uh, oh, lovely gorgeous the volley yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, while that's going on in Genoa the other team from that port city Currently oh. in penultimate place, Sampdoria under Andrea Pirlo. Yeah. 19th yeah. out of 20 in Serie B. Yes. I mean, they lost again at the weekend to promoted uh, Catanzaro. Uh, Catanzaro, who look like they might be one of those clubs that does the old triple jump, go from Serie C to B to A. Um, and, yeah, keeps losing to teams that begin with the letter C, James. Como, mm. Cittadella. Mm. Yeah, it's been a real curse. Mm. For, for Andrea. I saw Mancini um, was uh, at Marassi either today um, along with Qualiarella. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, the only way I could maybe justify or mitigate for uh, Mancini's decision to, uh, to go to is... Saudi Arabia is so that he can earn enough money to buy the club. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it doesn't look good um, for, for Pirlo at the moment. He called the game against Catanzaro a, a final. They lost that final. They've still got Cosenza and uh, Cremonese to play. Oh, so no. Two more defeats. Oh, yeah. It's no. a worry, isn't it? Cagliari have gone up, thank goodness. But, me. I mean, remember that the story with Samp was that this was a team that was going to go bust and have to start at the bottom of the Italian football pyramid, a little bit like Parma did. And so to, to just be in Serie B, albeit second from bottom in Serie B, is, <laughs> is preferable um, to that. And they've still got time to turn it around. It's a long old season, whether it's going to be with... 
Pirlo. I mean, they wanted Fabio Grosso yeah. because Grosso got Frosinone promoted last year and Grosso ended up saying, you know what, no, I'm just going to stick it out and see if I can get a bigger job. And Leon is a bigger job right now. Um, but yeah, things not going well for, for Pirlo, who I thought was unjustly sacked by Juventus, um, given he's the last guy to, to win stuff with Juve, Copitalia Super Cup. Mm. Okay. Um, so, you know, I thought the football that he, he played at uh, Juventus was better than some of the football that they've been serving up under Allegri of late. But his last two jobs in Turkey and now at Samp not been going well at all. Indeed. All right. Monday night, uh, Sassuolo are going to be playing. Sassuolo, who've been... Nero Verdi. Siamo forti. Siamo noi. Woof. <laughs> Love that song. Yeah. Uh, Nick, of course, Rafa, yes. Uh, they're going to be up against Monza Monday night. Monza who just signed Papu, Papu. Gomez. Oh, this was one of the moments yeah. of the week. Was it? Yeah, because did dance? Galliani the, did it. Better than the Galliani did the yeah. Papu dance. Yeah. I mean, tried to do it. Right. Was unsuccessful. It's not easy. No, but I see the better moment of the weekend than the crappy one that James played. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll it's see. Maybe I, I, I was surprised Papu was without a club. How long has he played I, for? I'm now? not so, so surprised. Oh, come on, Alvaro. Yeah, he wasn't that good for so Sevilla. So mean-spirited. Come oh, on. really, really, really. Wow. Mm. Papu. All right. Then. Mike is a great player, though. I mean, mm. uh, wishing the best. He's a World Cup winner. Listener, we're on to La Liga to finish off next. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Alvaro, you also had a midweek round, didn't you, in Spain? Where has that left everything with the weekend's results as well? Mm, well, Real Madrid is topping the Liga table right now mm. after beating Girona. Yes. That is uh, probably the news of the weekend. And also, perhaps we have had the confirmation that um, Atletico, Real Madrid and Barcelona are going to be fighting for the title. Okay. More or less, we get that the, clear. The, the, the big three. The, the, the big three, yeah, basically. <laughs> but the big three, um, don't forget that Atletico was a little bit out of that big three uh, title uh, race for the last couple of years, or definitely um, last year. And I think that uh, this season we can have that again, an addition of uh, a new uh, title fight between three sides. I think that the fourth spot is a little bit more, uh, it's going to be quite contested between Real Sociedad, I guess, I guess that Sevilla is going to get there eventually. Maybe Betis with their new super striker, Asane Diao, a boy born in Senegal, but uh, he moved to Spain when he was two, and he's been the big thing in Spain uh, over the last week because he's scoring goals for Betis, and Betis needed... A striker because, you know, Borja Iglesias is not going through a good moment. Uh, William Jose is a veteran. Ayose Perez is not exactly like a very good uh, goal scorer. So, you know, maybe Betis has found over there a player to believe in and a player to make a project around. It's still early doors, but let's see. But yeah, I think that the big news of the weekend is that, that Atletico Barcelona and Real Madrid are uh, starting to not become infallible, but definitely uh, playing good football and also earning three points quite easily. Okay. Betis who were beaten on Match they won in the Europa League. Yeah. 1 0 away at Rangers. Uh, 3 0 winners against Valencia this weekend. Atletico Madrid went, they went down to Cadiz, didn't they? They went down. Roaring down. back yeah. to 3 2. Yeah, but this Atletico is quite resilient, I would say. Mm. And uh, even when uh, we have seen this season, and when they get the first goal or the second or the third, or when they get an advantage, they want more. We saw that against Rayo Vallecano, for example, when they converted seven. And, uh, you know, I think that Cadiz did well in the first half. But then Atletico has a player like Correa, 
who sometimes goes a little bit unnoticed because Morata is there, because Antoine Griezmann is their best striker and their best player. But Correa scored a really, really nice goal. And also the, his assist for Nahuel Molina, uh, probably no one at Atletico can do that. He's a player who is very good between the lines, in the small spaces. Simeone likes him because uh, Correa has been always, always there delivering for him. And, you know, I mean, uh, when Morata is not there, when Memphis is still not fully recovered, Correa... Even though he's not a great scorer, he's always doing a good job. If they play Man City, Pep can talk about the career guy. <laughs> uh, so, oh, Barcelona stayed one point behind Real Madrid with a 1-0 win over Sevilla. This must have been especially sweet given how that goal came about. Yeah, Sergio Ramos scored an own goal. Uh, funnily, I was thinking about this, uh, Barcelona is going to play against another... Uh, Iconic Real Madrid center back in a couple of days time because Pepe will probably play against uh, Barcelona as well. So who knows? Yeah, that's a big game that we haven't mentioned. Actually. Porto looked good back on match Por day one. Yeah, Porto. Uh, they then they lost to Benfica, but mm. uh, for Barcelona it's a big test uh, because they haven't been able to win away uh, important games for a while in Europe. But yeah, uh, Sergio Ramos played you know, a very good game against Barcelona. In all fairness, Barcelona deserved to win. Even though it wasn't a great game for Barcelona, I think that they had more chances. They tried everything. Lamin Yamal was on the pitch again. By the way, he has extended his contract today until 2026. Uh, he will be 19 when that contract expires. So that tells you how young he is. And um, I think that Barcelona needed as well a win like this. Um, three points against a difficult opponent. It's been a long time that Sevilla hasn't won uh, Barcelona in the league at Camp Nou since 2003. So, you know, uh, I want to say that Barcelona beating Sevilla is a given, not at Camp Nou, but at home, because they are playing this year in Montjuic. But Barcelona lately have found it very easy with Sevilla. Okay. Did Rafinha, Rafinha sorry, pick up a hamstring injury? Yes. Yeah. So Rafinha won't be featuring against Porto. Obviously, uh -huh. he's going to be out for about three weeks, four weeks. And then uh, Pedri and Frankie de Jong are still out. So Barcelona will have to uh, use probably Gundogan, Gabi and uh, Romeo in midfield because there is literally no one else. Good Lord. All right. They're at Porto, as you say, midweek. Is that Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, Porto-Barcelona is on Wednesday, I think. On Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, well, right. let me check that for you. Excellent, excellent. Anything else you want to tell us about? Sorry, we've left La Liga to the end. Yeah, very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, two things. Number one, Nacho's uh, tackle on Porto. Uh, I don't know if you have seen that, but it's a ridiculous one. Ridiculous one. I mean, he, he got a yellow card and then that yellow got upgraded because the referee went to the VAR video and he checked that. But yeah, uh, Nacho cannot do that. I mean, he's going to be out at least for two games. Mm. At least for two games, because he basically went with the foot uh, high on the knee or the ankle, yeah, somewhere in between, of Porto, and uh, Porto could have suffered uh, a big injury. And number two, Barcelona and Sevilla have broken uh, relationships between them. So basically, these clubs, they are no longer in good terms, because last week, the charges on Barcelona uh, for the Negreira case mm. were upgraded from corruption to bribery. Mm. And, uh, you know, this changes the whole situation a little bit, a little bit. I mean, there is still a court case pending and all that. But, you know, uh, amidst the new investigations and the new accusations to Barcelona, Sevilla has decided not to be in good terms with them anymore. And I think that on Friday, uh, both boards, Barcelona and Sevilla, uh, just didn't meet and all that. So, yeah. Uh, so how many other clubs have taken this kind of stance with Barcelona? I, I believe that this openly, only Sevilla. Only Sevilla? Only Sevilla, okay. yeah. And it just means that essentially there's no, they, they don't welcome the directors of the fellow club when yeah. they meet, that kind of thing. Yeah. There's no other kind of more 
if significant I, I guess that then if you want to sign a player from Sevilla or whatever ah, that yeah. can get difficult as well mm. things like this you know but mainly it's very common uh, between uh, clubs in Spain to have la comida de directivas mm. yeah, which yeah. means the board uh, and giving up lunch in Barcelona is a big sacrifice yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> although lunch in Sevilla not to be sniffed at neither yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. good good, good, good patch with that I go for yeah. both yeah, nice. So yeah, these these kind of things obviously are no longer there. Uh, and let's see. Of course, see we all know where the best lunch in the world is, don't we, Alvaro? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paris. No, not according <laughs> to Mikel Arteta. No, uh, Arteta knows. Arteta knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He defends his region a different mind, you know. Voila. And yeah, so thi- this is going to be basically something that will be coming over and over again. Again, the Negreira scandal, because there is one judge who is just uh, gathering all the information mm. and uh, he will press charges against Barcelona. When do you think we'll actually see some legal action on that? I, I don't know when, because uh, these uh, things can be slow. I mean, uh, last week, um, the Spanish police uh, raided the Spanish FA headquarters because um, the referees work in the Spanish FA. So basically, they wanted to get more information. The judge sent them there, the police, to get more information in the Spanish FA. And uh, not until all the necessary evidence to uh, start a case uh, is gathered, uh, a case will start. So, you know, it may take a while. Okay. We'll keep across that. But for now, that brings us to the end of this Totally Football show. Many thanks to James, Alvaro, Rafa, Jules, Rachel and Charlie. You, listener, outstanding work. Uh, do join us for the Gold Show Tuesday, Wednesday, and those always exciting Europa League highlights. Always. Late on Thursday, assuming you can. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday doing the whole thing again. Have a nice time in the meanwhile from all of us here. It's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for the Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.